This is a production of National Voter Registration Day. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of the holiday and its partners. We're really just looking out for, what is it? Is it your new microwave? Didn't your other one break? Yeah, my other one broke. That's right. And then they replaced it with like RoboCop. It has like (laughs) Wi-Fi connects it. There's no need for more than four buttons in a microwave. Tell me with a straight face, you've touched the seven button on a microwave in your life. Tell me you've touched the seven button. No. No, I hit the one minute button, you know, until something's done and add 30 seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds. It's done. Adjust power level. Go f*** yourself, right? It's fine. It's fine. I might use this clip for the opener and I'm going to have to use the beat for the first time. It's going to be hilarious. at a time the official podcast of national voter registration day we are your hosts i'm travis morin i'm james hill and i'm debbie lombardi yes and it is march in like a lion out like a lamb is it more lamb or lion where you two are right now i don't know what what is warm weather is that lion weather i don't know what goes with what as long as it's not scorching i think it counts as a lamb nice spring weather is the lamb that's where we are we're like 50 right debbie it's like 55 degrees yeah, it's supposed to maybe hit 60 today. It's going to be in the 60s next week in the D.C. area. It's going to be great. What about where you are, Travis? Here in New England, it can't decide. Two days ago, we got a snowstorm. Then it was like 50 degrees yesterday. Now we're expecting six inches to a foot of snow on Saturday. So, it's, it's whatever's in between a lion and a lamb. Be a giraffe. You're more, so, you're more like a liger. You're a liger, like- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very ambivalent liger. Yeah. But you know the you know the drill. It's time for Got Your Vote. You know, what we're talk about what we're obsessed with, what's stuck in our head from this month. And and Debbie, let's start with you. What's what's got your vote? Well, speaking of it being spring, I was going to say spring has my vote because I can go outside again. The sun is like making me a much better human, which I'm sure my friends and all of my coworkers appreciate. So I'm super excited about that. Nothing too serious this time. Cool. James, what about you? Uh, Yeah, well, okay. So if you know me, and I'm sure everybody listening knows you very well, uh, I have been a Batman fan since I was uh, a, a, wee, a wee child back in the Super Friends days. And then as a teenager, and I read the the seminal comic book, a graphic novel called The Dark Knight Turns, which sort of set the mode for all the movies that came after, like the dark, gritty, dark Batman, blah, blah, blah. And uh, was I at the midnight premiere of the 1989 Batman? Yes, I was, uh, as a 14-year-old wearing my T-shirt. I say all that preface to say, the new Batman movie has come out, The Batman by Matt Reeves. And I, uh, I'm i like obsessed with it. It's three hours long. Mm. It is, it, it feels like everything I ever wanted out of a Batman movie ever. And that's hard to say because Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight has been the the watermark for me since 08, I think it was, when it came out. But yeah. this is just, it's moved into another category. So I, my, my youngest daughter saw it first. She came home, was like, you got to see it. We went the next day. She watched it again. And I'm just itching to get back to the movie theater. So highly recommend uh, to go see it. Is he your favorite Batman, the consideration of Batman? I, I you know, I, I suppose it's it's weird to think like, well, then you must love Robert Pattinson. And I think he's really good, but it's not really the star turn. It's the whole package. You know, it may take a minute before, maybe a sequel before I can say like where he stacks up against, but 
you know, like Christian Bale wasn't my favorite. And then Dark Knight came out. I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. So maybe maybe he will be. I don't know. But it's a it's a it's just a great film and scary. There's a scene in the movie. I'm not going to say what it is, but it literally haunts me when it gets dark in my room. So it's good stuff. Good stuff. What's uh, what's your vote, Travis? Um, so my, my vote is the very concept of nostalgia. So as you, as listeners might know, the world is kind of a scary place right now. Um, it's been a scary place since 2020. So I, I've kind of delved into things that are comfortable and I've, I've decided to start watching um, season one of, of Survivor from the year 2000. And it is just a joy in so many ways. Like this is the first kind of reality show. So they're still figuring stuff out. Like, you know, the kind of dynamics of like pitting people against people isn't quite there yet. I feel like reality shows today, everybody is gorgeous and good looking and like Hollywood there's regular people in this show there's like older uh-huh. people in this show and it's just it's just very simple plus it, I kind of like watching it and thinking like god you guys don't know what's coming in the world <laughs> like gosh <laughs> start stocking up on those masks now right you know, it's like this is pre-covid this is pre-9-11 this is pre-Kanye West and what he would become um you know this is true <laughs> true you should really go the full nostalgia route and you should only watch it at like 8 p.m. on, <laughs> on like a, a tube TV, like no flat screen, like a, go get a TV with a tube in it and, uh, and uh, put your phone down and like, you know, juice up your iPod. Like you should go full 2000s. While snacking on like 3D Doritos and what, what was the hot drink then? Surge? Probably Surge, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And maybe get some highlights in your ear. Was that, that was a thing, right? In the 2000s? Yeah, Frosted Tips. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Frosted Tips. <laughs> there you go. Maybe uh, were Zimas a popular beverage then? There you go. I think there's, I think they're still around. I think you can still get them. I'll have to go Zima shopping before I watch my next episode. Uh, <laughs> so stay tuned for our, our special Patreon episode, Travel Samples Every Zima Flavor. Uh, <laughs> and then can't continue the podcast because they have a suspicious amount of alcohol in them. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Survivor, Speaking of, of, of the concept of slowly whittling down a group of people, um, James, uh, I, I hate to inform you, but the tribe has spoken and you're you're off the island, the, the, the quote unquote island, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a sad it's a sad day, but um, this will be my last uh, podcast as a member, official member of the team. Uh, I'm, I'm moving on to the American Federation of Teachers, but it is, this podcast has been a great pleasure. Like I've really, really enjoyed it and working with you guys, not just on the podcast, but in general, but specifically really love doing this podcast. And listen, there's going to be a way for me to get back on the show, whether I show up in like a mustache or I guess I have a mustache, but like a big twirly mustache and a top hat. And I could come on as you know, Haynes Jill, you know, or somebody else, uh, you know, I'll just be, a, I'll be a mystery guest from time to time. You'll never know where I am. I think a visual disguise is really the way to go for something that's an audio recording. So I think you're, I think you're. Just- yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a fake publicist call you up and like, Hey, are you guys interested in uh Haynes Jill for your podcast? And you know, you won't know it's me. It'll, it's going to be a whole, just so you know, me leaving has started off, kicked off a, a whole process of clandestine podcast booking. So I'm <laughs> gone, but I'm not, I will not be forgotten. If it makes you feel better, you'll still have been on the majority of episodes for the next few months, at least. So <laughs> That's right. That's right. I've left my stamp on this bad boy. Uh, but no, 
for real, it's been a, a great pleasure and I'm sad to go, but I can't tell you how exciting it is uh, to look at my podcast feed and see this thing pop up. Feels good. And I wish you guys literally the best of luck um, in making this thing grow. So yeah, that's the, that's the news. Good news, James. We're saving all the audio recordings from previous podcasts, so we're just going to cut you in at different parts of your <laughs> That's all. Just yeah, keep me alive in like audio drops. That's all I ask. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been it's been fantastic, guys. So good luck. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna miss you, James. Um, on to less emotional things before I start to get weepy. Uh, we had uh, another fun interview this week, didn't we, Debbie? Yeah, it was wonderful. We spoke with, well, Travis spoke with Secretary Adams of Kentucky, talking about all sorts of cool stuff, including a really amazing bipartisan bill that he passed last year. So we're excited to share that with you all. Absolutely. Secretary Michael Adams, the newest member, or not the newest member, but the newest um, Secretary of State member of our National Voter Registration Day Steering Committee. He is the resident Republican, along with his uh, Democratic counterpart, Secretary Steve Steinman of Minnesota. So we're excited to get to get to know him and help you get to know him. So we're going to head over that interview and stay tuned because we're going to play our favorite game, Voter Says What, where we delve into the uh, very testy topic of, of, of Easter marshmallow candies. So... You don't want to miss that. And also stay tuned. Who knows? I may pop up during that interview. So you're going to have to just listen and find out if I'm uh, jumping in and out of episodes. I'm like Deadpool now. Is that, is that a, that's what I'll be doing. I just, I just picture us asking someone like, who's your hero? And then it just plays Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So just uh, stay tuned. All right. And uh, we are here with Secretary Michael Adams of the great state of Kentucky, um, our newest National Voter Registration Day Steering Committee member. Uh, we're so glad you could join us uh, for this interview and, and, and welcome. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. Awesome, of course. So let's just jump right into it. So I think a lot of people out there will hear the title uh, Secretary of State and maybe immediately think about the cabinet position of president's chief diplomat. Uh, so can you kind of schoolhouse rock this for our listeners? Tell us a bit about your role in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, specifically as it relates to voting and elections. Well, I have no foreign policy authority. I want to get that on the record. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can't, uh, I can't uh, do that, unfortunately. But I've got three primary jobs under the Constitution and laws of Kentucky. Uh, number one, I'm literally the secretary of the state. I'm the chief custodian of records for four and a half million Kentuckians. Uh, so I have land records going back to 1792 when we split off from Virginia and became uh, a separate state, a separate commonwealth. Uh, I've got uh, bills, all the bills that go to the governor, uh, whether uh, whether he signs them or doesn't sign them, whether pass over his veto, uh, I get all those. In some cases, I actually sign those bills uh, if, if they're overridden. Uh, land records government records, uh, bills, executive orders of the governor, all those come to me. I'm the chief business officer for the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, so whether you're a Ford Motor Company or UPS or a major global company, uh, or you're a small mom and pop dry cleaner or a restaurant, either way, you register with us. I'm, I'm pleased to say that each of the last two years, we've seen a 20% growth in business formations in Kentucky. So notwithstanding the pandemic, in all the doom and gloom, uh, Kentuckians are resilient people and they're choosing when they're laid off to start a new business. Uh, so I'm excited about what that will bring. 
And of course, the part of the job uh, that is the most fun and also the most labor intensive, I'm chief election official for Kentucky. I'm not the only chief election official in Kentucky. The counties have their own chief election officials, the county clerks. We have nearly 4,000 election officials in Kentucky because every poll worker's election official as well. Uh, but I'm at the, uh, at the uh, top of that food chain. And so uh, I'm on the state board of uh, elections and I have an election staff with me here in the Capitol. And, and certainly we provide an oversight role uh, in the process. Fantastic. Thank you for um, laying that out there. Like, no, you don't have any foreign policy uh, yeah. specifics. <laughs> so clear some things up for folks. You know, in addition to being an interview with you, this chat serves as your unofficial introduction as the new Republican Secretary of State serving on National Voter Registration Day's steering committee with Minnesota Secretary of State Steve Simon occupying the Democratic seat. So first of all, welcome, formally, officially welcome. Uh, and second of all, I'd love to get your kind of 10,000 foot view on the holiday and, and why you decided to be a part of it. Well, I've got big shoes to fill. I'm a big admirer of Ken Wyman, who has uh, left the Secretary of State in Washington and gone on. Uh, to serve in the Biden administration. Uh, and I was, I was asked to do this by Secretary of Simon, uh, who I have a lot of respect for. And it was a great opportunity. He chose me uh, because uh, I have a history of working hard to make sure that our elections in Kentucky are inclusive. Uh, I've been fortunate to uh, persuade our legislature to expand access to the ballot, which is not very typical uh, sometimes in red states these days. And so that kind of set the impetus uh, for my invitation. Uh, I'm excited uh, to be part of this. Uh, if there's something that we can find bipartisanship on, hopefully it's voter registration. Democrats, Republicans, they've got at least one thing in common, they wanna vote. So let's facilitate that. Let's make it as easy to vote as we can. And the first step in that is to register. Yeah, we we echo that sense that that's one thing we think is bipartisan and ought to continue being bipartisan is wanting to vote and continuing to vote. You know, one thing that folks may not know about you is that your role as Secretary of State is, is the first time you've held elective office. You, know, you bypassed, um, you know, city council. You bypassed dog catcher. You went straight, uh, straight to secretary of state. Previously, you you've clerked for a district court judge. You served as a staffer uh, for Senator Mitch McConnell's 2002 re-election campaign. Uh, you worked as a legal counsel to the deputy AG under President George W. Bush, and then in 2007, you devoted yourself to election law, but no elected jobs. All things considered, that's a pretty apolitical resume for somebody with your job title. And I'm wondering if you see that as a, an asset in your job as a state's chief election official? Well, I've tried to keep it as apolitical as I can. And that's, that's a little misleading because I have to be a good politician every day, not in the craven sense of that, but in the sense of understanding the politics of the policies that I'm trying to get implemented, understanding people's concerns, uh, persuading them that their concerns either are not well-grounded or that, that, they, that they are and that our policies will address their concerns. And so we've got to engage in politics every day in the best sense of that word. Uh, but it's not unusual to have a secretary of state who's not served in elected office uh, previously. Uh, the last time Kentucky elected the secretary of state uh, who had been elected official previously was in 1991. In the 95 election, every election, every four years since that time, uh, we've elected someone uh, who has who had not run, uh, not served in elected office before. I'm leaving out, of course, secretaries of state being reelected. Obviously, they've served in an office uh, before, but. Uh, the usual mold is we have uh, generally people who are younger than me, uh, generally in their 30s, young business lawyers running for this office, and uh, their emphasis has been primarily on the business side of the office. Uh, what is unusual about me is my focus on the election side of the office. I'd served on the state board of elections. I'd had a election law practice, 
uh, before I did this. And so I've tried to highlight the election side of the job and make that really more my focus. You know, you mentioned that the kind of legislation, you know, last year uh, you were the driving force behind the passage of Kentucky House Bill uh, 574, a bipartisan voting reform bill. Uh, passed by your Republican legislature and signed by uh, Democratic Governor Andy Bashir. Can you tell us a bit about what's in this law? Well, we have a, a legislature that meets annually, and uh, that's appropriate. It's good to have the legislative branch come to town once a year and kick the tires on our tax system, on our education system, on our corrections and justice system. Uh, and they do that, but we have really not taken a look at our election system since 1891. Uh, the, the method of voting that I inherited when I was sworn into years ago was enacted in the 1890s before modernity, uh, before people worked off the farm in Kentucky, uh, before they went to office jobs or factory jobs, uh, before they had kids in extracurricular activities like my daughter, really before modern reality. And so in 1891, they said you get one day to vote and it's it's 12 hours long and that's all, that's all you get. And it's virtually impossible to vote absentee. And that's how we made everybody vote. There's just no good reason for that. There's no other government service where we'd find it acceptable to say you've got 12 hours on one day to, to get your business done for your driver's license or your unemployment or anything else. Uh, that's just ludicrous. And so uh, we were long overdue for a revamp of this code, uh, long overdue to bring it into modern times. And so I'm, I'm pleased that I was able to bring uh, some, some knowledge of the subject matter from my prior practice in election law. And, and to be frank, covid uh, was somewhat helpful on this as well, because every state had to re-examine their voting system in 2020 to make sure that it was accessible in a pandemic. And so uh, I was very fortunate to have been in the right place at the right time uh, with the right experience to be able to transform our election system. 574 is a very uh, long and technical bill, but I'll give you a couple of the highlights. The biggest one is expanded voting. Uh, instead of just one day to vote. We've now added Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before election day. Uh, that Saturday, I think, is especially a game changer for working people to have trouble going to the polls like my own parents. I don't believe, I certainly leave it any state to decide what's best for their own system. In Kentucky, I don't think we need three and four week long elections. I think at some point the costs become prohibitive and it doesn't really boost the turnout that much. It distorts who wins and loses the campaigns because it becomes more about money and being on TV for a long period of time. But I do think one day is too stingy. And I think quadrupling the number of voting days will help a turnout. We've seen evidence of that already. That's kind of the cornerstone of it. We were the only red state to expand voting in, in 2021 and uh, we did it in a bipartisan way. Other things that we did, we created a cure process for absentee ballots so that voters whose signatures have changed over time have a, a chance to prove that it actually is them that uh, sent in the absentee ballot if the signature that they just signed mismatches their voter registration card signature from decades ago. Uh, we also implemented an absentee ballot request and tracking portal. It used to be that the absentee ballots were kind of floating around out there with no tracking uh, from the election officials. Uh, now we've centralized uh, that surveillance to make sure that not only we uh, in the government, but also the voters can track their own ballots. Any voter can track her own ballot in the system the way a uh, UPS or an Amazon uh, package would be tracked. So we've got full accountability on these ballots and voters feel more comfortable about that part of our process. Obviously uh, absentee voting has been somewhat controversial for a couple of years in a way it really wasn't for decades before. So as part of being responsive to that, uh, but also improving the system, uh, we implemented the portal. 
which helps the voters vote more easily, but also helps ensure the security of the process as well. I'd say those are the two key features of the bill. Yeah, that's what stuck out to us as well. I'm curious, how do you hope that the changes in election law kind of affect the experience for voters in Kentucky? Well, I'm very sensitive to the notion that, that people want to trust this process. If, if they don't, they won't vote. And whether their concerns are legitimate or not legitimate, I have, I'm a realist and I have to ensure that voters uh, trust our system. That doesn't mean that they have to make it harder to vote. Uh, there's no correlation between make it harder to vote and harder to cheat. Mm. Uh, you can have a secure system that's still accessible to the public. And so I think what's the special sauce that Kentucky's got is that we have we have improved our security, uh, but we have not done that in a way that made it harder for people to vote. It's much easier for people to vote now than it was uh, three years ago before I was elected. Uh, but it's also a more secure process. And I think you can actually do these things simultaneously. And I'll give you a quick example. We actually had a significant uh, drop in the number of irregularities in 2020, despite expanding voting and having record turnout uh, in our primary or general election. And I've got a bipartisan task force of law enforcement that uh, report to me. And one of their findings was that expanding in-person voting, early voting, actually made the election more secure because it's hard to have a book buying operation over multiple days than on just one day, because it's multiple days of potential exposure. We, we do still have book buying in Kentucky. It is fortunately getting rare, but it is fraud and it does occur primarily in, in the mountain areas, in small towns and hamlets, uh, out in the hollers. Uh, but it's hard to do when you've got more voting going on over a longer period of time because it increases that exposure. It's also easier for law enforcement to monitor the voting process when it's not just one chaotic day. When it's several days, it's easier for them to, to watch uh, for shenanigans. And so we actually found that making the election more accessible not only didn't contradict security, it enhanced security. Yeah, I'm not sure what your, your secret sauce is. I mean, it's Kentucky, so I figured it'd be more like the 11 secret herbs and spices. Uh, yeah. to... <laughs> yeah. A little bourbon mixed in, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how we uh, recommend that too, National Voter Registration Day. Now, you've mentioned this in on a bit, but in the world of election legislation passed in the wake of 2020, this bipartisan law, you know, happening in, as you say, a red state, how did Kentucky do it? And, and what lessons can other states take from, from the way you guys did it? Well, something I'm, I'm really proud of in Kentucky, and I, I didn't invent this, uh, but I benefit from it, is we actually have bipartisanship baked into our election system by design. So it's not just that uh, I'm a Republican. It's not just that a Republican Secretary of State worked with the Democratic governor, which which I did, but we also have a state board of elections. It's four Democrats, four Republicans. They work together closely without partisanship. Uh, every county board of elections in Kentucky has Democrats and Republicans on it. And every, every voting location, by law, every precinct where people go to vote has Democrats and Republicans together working the polls. And so that's good for checks and balances, uh, obviously, but it's also inclusive. And it means it's, just much, it's that much harder for one side to accuse the other side of, of impropriety because everyone's bought into this together. And so we've tried to do that in the legislature as well. Just a few days ago, we got another bill passed uh, that we had asked for, and there were Democrats and Republicans sitting at the table uh, advocating for the bill. Uh, legislators from all points on the political spectrum sitting together in, in solidarity saying we need this legislation. And so that's our special sauce is we don't do this in a partisan way. And I, I, if you contrast Kentucky with a couple other states in the South, uh, you see a big contrast. I would also note you see a contrast from what you see in Washington, D.C., where the parties are really uh, aligned on partisan lines, on voting issues, and it means nothing gets done. 
uh, if you want to get something done, do it in a bipartisan way, because A, it's easier to pass, but B, maybe more important, it's a better look. You don't want to have half the population think that the rules are being raved against them. And when they turn on the TV and they see both parties side by side on this stuff, it makes the whole public have more confidence in the process. Yeah, I think that maybe the, the, the perception you guys have have created uh, in creating a law that kind of marries both concerns, I think, from Republicans about, about security issues and also concerns from Democrats about expansion. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, as the official podcast for National Voter Registration Day, I am, I am contractually obligated, Mr. Yeah. Secretary, uh, to ask you about uh, how you're off to celebrate the holiday last year and what you might have planned for 2022. I mean, feel free to break some news. We will, we will run with it. Well, uh, we uh, last year we uh, introduced our new voter registration uh, slogan, "Unmute Yourself," and we've got a little logo of uh, of a of a Zoom microphone muted. And uh, the inspiration for this was so many Zooms that I've done with my mic off when it should have been on or on when it should have been off, including when I testified to Congress, which was very embarrassing. <laughs> got uh, got written about in the papers about how I forgot to unmute uh, when I was testifying to Congress. And so uh, we, we tried to make some lemonade out of that. And so that's, that's how we kicked off our last uh, National Voter Registration Day. Uh, candidly, I haven't decided what we're going to do uh, this year, but we'll come up with something uh, as fun as that, hopefully. Love it. Unmute yourself. I think we've all been using that for the last, God, how long has it been? <laughs> two, uh, two years, three years and change. Yeah, yeah I think uh, it's catchy. Another thing people may not know about you, sir, is that you are, if I, if I must say, uniquely entertaining and hilarious on Twitter. Um, you know, as somebody who uses social media accounts for National Voter Registration Day, I follow all the secretaries and, and you know, the ones I get uh, the, the most back and forth with, I, I, I keep a note on and, and you are one of them. So okay. I, I have to ask, do you run your own account? Well, I, uh, I do run my own account. And I think, uh, I, I think that political figures who do their own tweeting have an authenticity about them that you don't see if there's a staffer doing it or a committee doing it. So uh, certainly uh, my staff occasionally uh, tweet from the account graphics and so forth, but I try to keep it original if I can. When I ran for office, I was underfunded. I was uh, a 15-point underdog against my opponent. Uh, she had a lot more money than I did. She was a former Miss America, and the only way I could try to equalize the race was uh, aggressive use of social media because it was free <laughs> and I could afford it. And so I, I had to learn to live off the land and get good at social media. And so hopefully that's a uh, that's continued into my administration. Yes, I, I believe it has. You know, so so I guess one last thing. I, you know, is there anything that that I have not asked you that the listeners should absolutely know before we wrap up this interview? I'll tell you something that I learned that really stuck with me when I was in private practice. I, I spent about twenty years practicing law, mostly mostly election law in all fifty states. And in politics, there's a lot of surprises. But the one biggest surprise I got that still kind of blows me away is the proportion of people who are not registered to vote. Mm. I would have clients that would spend millions of dollars on voter registration. My first thought was really like, is there anyone left? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of people left. There's a lot of, and it, and by the way, it doesn't favor one side or the other. My clients were primarily Republican. And my first thought was, well, I'm sure the Republicans are all registered, right? Well, no, they're not. There's a lot of people of various political persuasions who are not registered, which is pretty breathtaking to me. And so uh, I wanted to be part of this, of course. And of course, you could say I've, de I've devoted my uh, career to this cause of getting people uh, off the sidelines uh, getting them to register, getting them to vote, getting them to be poll workers. So one uh, shameless plug to leave you with 
uh, for, for anyone uh, listening from Kentucky is that we have changed the law. One of the, our reforms is now any Kentucky registered voter can be a poll worker. Uh, when I took office, only Democrats and Republicans could be poll workers. Independents, Libertarians, Greens, et cetera, could not. We got that changed. Number one, I don't believe in discrimination. And that's one reason. But the other is, why would I write off a big portion of our voter pool that can be poll workers? when frankly, we desperately need poll work. You cannot have an election without election workers. And so a, a lot of our focus in this office, especially this year, is in recruitment of poll workers. And so everything that we're going to be doing on voter registration is going to have that twin message to it, because at the same time, you can register to be a poll worker that you're registering to be a voter. Yeah, that's something we hammer on as well, too. I mean, 2020 really drove home the need for poll workers, especially given the fact that so many um places were short on them, but that need didn't stop in 2020. And I think um, initiatives like yours in Kentucky are, are needed nationally. Um, there's one more thing I want to end with, Secretary. Um, you know, besides celebrating National Voter Registration Day, what are ways other listeners might be able to encourage others to register to vote and increase voter registration rates? Well, my hope is that now that we appear to be nearing the end of COVID, Moving out Fingers of, crossed. And, and Do you have some wood to knock on there, sir? I don't want to jinx us and be responsible for uh, COVID coming back, so I'll, I'll be careful here. But if we if we are cautiously exiting a pandemic and entering an endemic phase, my hope uh, is that the civic organizations and also the two parties will be able to recommence the activities that historically have led to most of our voter registration. Uh, in Kentucky, I've been in office for 25 months, and about half of the, uh, those months we've actually taken more voters off the rolls than we've added. I do believe in voter rolls maintenance. It's an important part of a legitimate system. But part of why we are seeing that trend is because of the drop in voter registration. Mm -hmm. uh, people are self-registering. They're using our website, uh, govoteky.org uh, or .com uh, or otherwise, but we're not seeing drives. Uh, we're not seeing the two parties. We're not seeing civic groups go out there and do registration drives. And unless and until that happens again, we're not going to see large numbers of new voters coming in uh, to the system. And so my hope is that as we get back to normal, as we start having events and fairs and parades and public gatherings where folks get out there and register voters, as we begin to see those things again, uh, this problem will take care of itself. Yeah, something we can hopefully all agree on as well. Secretary Adams, this has been fantastic. It's been great getting to know you outside of your fire Twitter content and get to know you in person. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going we're gonna to transition over to the end of our show where Secretary Adams is going to play a little round of a Voter Says What. So we will talk to you guys in a, in a second. And we're back after our fantastic interview with Secretary Michael Adams of Kentucky, and he's still here with us, and he's lucky enough to be playing our favorite game, Voter Says What. Say what? What did she say? Say what? Say what again? Voter Says What, Secretary Adams, uh, quick rundown for you. We're going to talk about a quirky, unique behavior that Americans do. You're going to have to guess what percent of Americans actually do this? Uh, it's our little way of thinking, you know, we all have more in common than we don't in these very partisan divided times. So are, are you ready to play, sir? Let's do it. Debbie, you ready to play? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. All right. So your question is, what percentage of people have bought marshmallow peeps for their own non-Easter related snacking? Not during Easter, just to snack mm -hmm. on for whenever. Why would anyone ever do that? <laughs> A very good question that I'm thinking myself. <laughs> well... I still have confidence in the American people, so I'm going to guess 3%. <laughs> what was that? Was that 30, sir? Three. Three? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, bold. Uh, bold. 
Well, that's making my answer feel high. I agree with you, Secretary Adams. Peeps are not appealing to me, but I'm going to go with 10%. Maybe one in 10 people do this. Okay, that's 10% from Debbie and 3% from Secretary Adams. Um, all right, um, not a huge split there, but we'll see. The actual answer is number of people who have bought marshmallow apiece for their own non-Easter related snacking is... Twenty-three percent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. That's concerning, isn't it? I need to use my Twitter account to defeat this disappointing <laughs> trend. This is concerning. Yeah, th 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 there's a scourge out there in America, and it's people who are buying these things and eating them like animals when it's not Easter or at all, for that matter. <laughs> Although I will profess, I, I have enjoyed a peep once in a while when you let it out and sit for a bit when it gets stale. Stale peep, I'll, I'll, I'll mess with the stale peep. Travis, I don't get it. I had a friend tell me literally the same thing this weekend, and I don't under, like, they're like, it gets crunchy, and I'm like, but that's the opposite of what the peep should be. I don't understand it either. I think I, I had a grandma, a great grandma, who would like put out circus peanuts and peeps on her coffee table for company and company never came and they just got to be crunchy and they changed phases as a matter and I guess I associated with that I don't know <laughs> but yeah so glad we could get to the bottom of that one with Secretary Adams and everything else with Secretary Adams sir thank you for joining us it's been great and we're we're thrilled to have you on uh, the National Voter Registration Day team thank you thanks so much look forward to a great year all right well thank you guys for joining us for this uh, month's episode of uh, One Reg at a Time we'll be back in April. Um, but until then, uh, you're going to want to do all the fun podcast stuff, right, Deb? Right. We are super excited for you to be listening to us. So please like, subscribe, rate, review at all the places you listen to podcasts. I'm not going to list them all because there's a lot of them. Yeah, there are a lot. There's a list on our website. Uh, you can, you know, stitch your Amazon, Amazon, uh, Apple Music, all the big ones, all the small ones were there. Um, and, you know, if you have a question, you have a question about voting registration, you uh, think you'd be a great guest for the show, you can email us at podcast at nationalvoterregistrationday.org. That's podcast at nationalvoterregistrationday.org. All one word. It's long. It's unwieldy. But if you want it bad enough, you'll email us. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll catch you next month and, and uh, talk to you soon.